Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's the afternoon delight here on 970 ESPN. All of our guests here on the show, as always, brought to you by the Fox Bet app. Make the call, download the app today. On the phone line, good friend of the show, good friend in real life from DK Pittsburgh Sports and the Locked on Steelers podcast, it's Chris Carter. Chris, what up, partner? How we doing on this Monday? What's up, Wes? How you living? I'm doing great, man. It's a nice day out today. I actually I wore a sweater thinking like, all right, it's going to be like low, like like high 40s and then work its way. I went outside. I was like, oh, snap, I can wear a T-shirt. What's up with that, though? <laughs> Oh, buddy, you always make me laugh. And you know what? I just thought of something, something I've been kicking around on the show today that I feel like you might have a a nuanced take on, an, an unbiased take on, okay? Is it fair if I start with a little bit of a curveball for you here, Mr. Carter, before we get into some football? Is that okay? Go, go right ahead. I don't. I, you don't have to make me go get basketball, Chris? Is that, that's not a thing right now? No, actually, I guess <laughs> – See, I would say hockey, Chris, but it's not even – I don't know if it's as much as a hockey – you'll see where I'm going here in a second, okay? Um, okay, got it. Earlier on the show today, I, I discussed a little bit Pierre Maguire, who's the you know the NBC, the NHL on NBC color analyst, uh, said over the weekend that he thought it, like it's insane how disrespected Sidney Crosby is. You know, for how great this guy is uh, on the ice, for everything he's accomplished, for how good of a dude he is in the community, that he just feels like across the NHL he's not respected as much as he should be. And I was discussing that, and I was kind of drawing some parallels, right, where I thought you could say the same thing about LeBron James for a time, like when he was in Miami and he was kind of a villain. I feel like you could say the same thing about Tom Brady for a time, kind of in the midst of some of all that Spygate and Deflategate and all they do is cheat in New England thing. But both of those guys have, you know, done a 180 in that regard too. Like LeBron James right now, I feel like is insanely popular and beloved. Look, Tom Brady right now has never been more popular and liked across the sports landscape in this country than he is right at this moment. But Chris, I don't know if that's ever going to happen to Sid because to me that seems like an anti-hockey culture thing. Like hockey's the one sport, maybe baseball's similar in this regard, right? Like they don't want to laud the great guys because they want the fourth liners to be just as important as the superstars. So that was kind of my take, Hal. You know, this happens to every all-time app. Chris, hell, I think there was even a time where as a country we kind of turned on Tiger Woods a little bit, and then that came back around full circle well, a few, a few well, years well, ago. Well, that was a little different. That was a little different. That was a little different. You're right. A <laughs> little bit different. A little bit different. But uh, do you notice that, like, when I say that, that I don't think that'll happen to Sid, maybe it will a little bit, but not to the extent of like a Tom Brady or a LeBron James, because I just don't think that's a hockey culture thing to do. Am I too ingrained, or is that something that you, like I said, is obviously you're someone who follows the Penguins and you know what's going on in hockey, yeah. but you're not a massive fan. 
Do you think that's fair? Or do you think, you know, in time, kind of all of the greats inevitably do get their roses, even in sports like hockey and baseball, where, you know, the culture is not to prop any one person up? See, here's the thing. I think you hit it on it with the hockey culture point, because the hockey culture is what drives the NHL. You know, and, and every sport has a culture. Yes. But with the, with the with the NFL, everybody knows who Tom Brady is. You you could you could you could sail off to a remote island in in the West Indies, and they they they, they don't have no TV, no internet, mm-hmm. no nothing, but they know who Tom Brady is. The same thing would go for LeBron James. Those two guys, like you know, Sidney Crowley is a worldwide icon, but. Basketball and football, they just reach so much farther than hockey when you see the amount of viewership that these sports get, the amount of attention that these sports get. And I think that's what drives kind of painting these guys back into good guys. You know, it's like, you know what? We've we've heard of Tom Brady for years, but you just can't deny it. I mean, this guy just won a seventh Super Bowl ring. Who's ever going to get mad at that guy? LeBron James, yeah, we hated when you went to Miami because everyone told us to hate you. But now you're a, you went back to the Cleveland. You won a title with them. Then you got a title with the Lakers. You're all you're all that man. And and I mean, heck, they're making Space Jam this year. Space yep. Jam Two is getting made this year. I, I think the, the problem. If you want that to happen for Sidney Crosby, hockey has to grow a lot in the next few years. You know, before he retires or whenever you know, whenever he starts winding down his career, um, for it to get to that level, because the same people who are hating on it, they're the ones who are going to. I think they're going to be the fans who kind of you know be the ones who have to give him his flowers. Now, I do think when Sid retires, there will be a sense of like. You know, everyone kind of just, like, claps because they're supposed to and he's making his final tour round. You know, but, like, you know, like with Kobe Bryant, like, when his even before he right, died, when he right. was doing his, his farewell tour, everybody was like, I got to stop to go see Kobe yes. Bryant. Same thing with Michael Jordan. I just – I don't know if that – if the people the people who make up the, the NHL fan base are diverse or if are wide enough to be able – for there to be, like, a group the way that there has been for the NFL with Tom Brady and for the mm-hmm. NBA with really – anyone who's been a villain over the past year. Cause we, Kobe was hated for, for, yep. for a little bit of time before yep. everyone was like, Hey, you know what? He's the man. Let him be the man. It's well said by our buddy, Chris Carter, DK Pittsburgh sports and the locked on Steelers podcast. I appreciate your take there here to get us started. Mr. Carter now on to, uh, to, you know, for what you signed up for the, the Steelers and the football stuff here. <laughs> uh, news today that Al Villanueva is going to be visiting with the Ravens this week. Are you surprised, one, from Al's standpoint, and two, from Baltimore's standpoint, uh, a team that is predicated on running the football, and we know that that hasn't always been Al's strength, uh, not particularly this last year, certainly? Well, no, I, I'm not really surprised at either team I th- or either party there. I, I think that Villanueva, he wants a contract, and the Ravens, they need themselves an order, a, a, a tackle. I almost Step to, step to two steps ahead there. I think it was Orlando <laughs> Brown is the tackle they're trying to trade away, but they're trying to trade away a tackle who would be you know, who could net them a top pick or a, or a, you know a future pick or something along those lines. Um, and Villanueva would be the perfect kind of depth guy. It's like, hey, you're a vet, go in there, play, and and, and you know and play well. Um, and I, I I think it makes sense. He knows about your opponent. You know, you know your your division rival. Um, you know, he'd be able to help you in that regard. And he's a veteran. You could plug and play on the, on the, on, the you know, on either side of the offensive line, really, and say, Hey, go get him." You know, so what if you're not a, you know, a Supreme run, run, you know, run blocker, if you're coming off the bench to be, to be the, that, that guy, that guy, that's fine. I mean, you're going to find a lot of, you know, rookies and late round draft picks who, you know, are going to have similar problems, but not bring the experience to say, hey, I know what it's like when we're adjusting to all these blitz calls. And, hey, you know, and when you're playing those two, sometimes three games against the Steelers in a year, 
He's saying, you know what? I know what these twists are. I know what these guys like to do because I've been practicing against them for like eight years. Hmm. So I, I think it makes both it makes sense for both sides. Villanueva wants a job, and uh, you know if he gets to if he gets it in Baltimore, he gets it in Baltimore. It's, you know, it, it's, it's how sports works, man. You know, maybe maybe your nemesis, but uh, you know one day you know it just depends on who signed your paycheck. Gosh, that would be bizarre. Certainly, Big Al. In Baltimore. Oh, no thanks. Although, you know what? After what we saw last year, TJ versus Big Al, I mean, yeah. hey, things could be worse. That's the, that's the reaction I've been seeing from a lot of Steelers fans. And I kind of agree. I mean, even if it's Alex Smith going up against the guy, like, I, I'm kind of like, actually, I like that matchup. I think that he would struggle with either one of them you know, for an entire game. So, if you're a Steelers fan, I think that you're right. If you're saying, you know what? Fine, Big Al, go to the Ravens. Help. You'll be a double agent over there. <laughs> Chris, can we get the Ravens to sign Dante Moncrief while we're at it as well, too? I now, mean, Baltimore, can I, that, can I interest that you in this would guy? Be... <laughs> Chris, more I mean, and more. That would be the sneak More and more teams opting out of voluntary workouts. We saw the Steelers late in wa- last week. More teams today. Uh, how does this all play out for the NFL? Right? We, we obviously know, like any business, can't force your employees. You can't force the players and the coaches to get vaccinated, right? You, you can't force them to do that. So what does that mean? Are they going to have to step up health and safety measures that maybe they didn't want to spend the time and the money on, but is going to be necessary here still to, to maybe get us started and through some of this season? Does it mean that it's just inevitable that a lot of these OTAs and minicamp things are going to be virtual like last summer? Or, or you know, do you, do you think that, again, the NFL will step in implement the safety measures that the players are asking for and say, you know what, last year we want that to be a one-off thing. We need to, to start getting this moving back in the normal direction. How do you think this all plays out with a lot of teams across the NFL and, and only more and more so every week opting out of voluntary workouts? I, I think it's a matter of uh, um, I think it's a matter of the NFL saying how bad do they want to actually fight for this? Because I'm sure there's coaches and guys in the organ- and staff members who are like, yeah, we'd like to get them in here earlier. But, you know, we all know this This isn't just about this particular OTAs and these particular safety procedures. The players are ticked because they're about to have a 17th game this season. They're putting themselves more at risk. They didn't get an extra bye week. Um, and, the, and, and at the bottom line, they are right. They, you know, like, hey, you know what? Why do we have to do this? You know, Cam Hayward brought this up. We have less injuries this year. All we, all we talked about, and I, and I have to say, I was part of turning out this machine because yeah. I thought that a lot of players would get injured last year with no OTAs and having to work out at home. I was like, man, more people are going to suffer injuries the same way it happened when the NFL had their, you know, their, their, their strike in the, in the, the middle mini of the lockout. Season. Yep. The, the mini, right, the mini lockout. So I was like, well, this is going to happen. And then it didn't. And Cam Hayward was pointing out, like, yeah, see, we're fine. We don't need these things. And why are we going to put ourselves at risk when more of us can get it? And, again, for the people who are like, ah, it doesn't matter if you get a little COVID. Well, there's, and if there's, and if there's players all across sports who are developing, you know, uh, you know lung conditions where they're having this impact in their entire life. Guys who never had to take inhalers are having to take inhalers. Guys who, you know, used to be able to go at 110% all the time. Now it's cutting down how much they can actually put into it, and it's endangering their health, not just on the field, but in their livelihoods or in their life. So, yeah, I I get it. I, you know, I think if this if the, if the NFL players can stand together for once, which has been tough for them with the NFLPA not being a very strong union, I think it would be nice for them. But this this is also an area where I think the NFL is kind of like, you know what? We don't care. We're about to get a 17th game this year. Fine, keep your non non showing up for OTA. You know, you know, thing right here. We'll see you when we need you for the mandatory minicamp. 
Chris, 10 days till the NFL draft kicks off, gets underway in Cleveland, Ohio, and the debate is at a fever pitch here in Pittsburgh and across western Pennsylvania. One, have the Steelers handcuffed themselves into taking a running back at pick 24? And two, is that a quote-unquote bad value decision? Or do we make too much out of out of that whole running back value debate when it's it's just quite simply a position that the Steelers have clearly needed now for a few years? Yeah, I, I think that people who, you know, I get that some people want to argue in the long term. You could say, yeah, you know what? Running backs don't have as much value as, say, if you could draft a center or an offensive tackle with that spot and he lasts you a few more years in the NFL. Okay, I get your point, but if a team really needs a, a playmaker running back, who's to stop them? I mean, you know, you know, one thing to remember is that, you know, people talk about, you know, you know who needs a running back? Well, the, the Ted Bates, the Buccaneers needed two. And, you know, they got Ronald Jones, who was a second-round pick, and Leonard Fournette, who was a first-round pick. And, yes, Leonard Fournette came from another team. But I guarantee you, if, if they, when they saw, like, you know what, there's value at that position. We want to add to our backfield. It's all about making the right call. And, mm-hmm. and it's actually a piece that I wrote um, for this morning at DKPittsburghSports.com that you can actually see for free right now, you know, because people have been saying the Steelers are bad at drafting running backs in the late round. It's like, no. Everybody back <laughs> right, back the right. late round. Like it's like you look across the board. I, I saw of the, the, the since 2017 when the Steelers drafted James Conner, there have been 61 running backs picked after the top 100 picks, and of those 61 running backs, only six have had a, a season with a 900 rushing yards or more. And wow. one of those six was James Conner, and, and and that's the whole thing. And, and also, there's only been 60 players to do it. So uh, to, to 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 get 900 yards since since 2017. So. Um, you know, when I look at these numbers, it's like, you know what? The Steelers actually did pretty good getting at least James Conner from, from these halls because most teams went entirely with multiple picks. And then other teams, like, they'll say, well, what about the Packers of Aaron Jones? It took the Packers five attempts to get a running back Correct. before they landed on Aaron Jones. They were like, oh, yeah, that's our guy. The same thing with the Seahawks and Chris Carson. He was the sixth guy they had taken between that draft and the four drafts prior before they said, hey, he's going to be our starting running back. And some of those guys were first-round picks, like Rashad Penny. So, uh, for me, the value of running back is if you know you can get a guy. What happens at every position is there's always whiffs. You know, it, it's funny to me that we talk about the whiffs at running back, but people want to overlook how many times we've whiffed at quarterback, but no one says, <laughs> hey, don't draft a quarterback in the first round because you may end up with Jake, you know, Jake Locker or Blake Bortles or any, any number of guys or Sam Darnold like right now. Um, you know, to me, the Steelers, if, if, if Najee Harris or Travis Etienne at 24 – that's a heck of a pick. Either one of those guys fit right there, um, and either one would last them next four or five years, which would help them end Ben's era and get into the new era with a new quarterback with a balanced offensive attack with a talented playmaker at running back. That's, that, there's, there's no understanding that value. Now, the, I think the biggest thing is when you're a rebuilding team, when, you, when your team stinks and you don't have a nucleus, should you take a running back in the top 10 pick? <laughs> right. That's where I think the running back right. value comes into play. But not picking 24 yes. when you already have a defensive nucleus and several other key players. I think that's well said. It's one thing when you're taking Saquon Barkley at pick four and you have all the needs that the Giants had, right? Or pick yeah. three, I think, actually, it might have been, um, versus the mm-hmm. situation that the Steelers are in. I, I, I'm picking up what you're putting down on that logic there, and I agree with you as well, too. I think maybe we're a little conditioned – as Steelers fans, we've seen the success of finding wide receivers in later rounds, right? And maybe we think, all right, well, we could just do that with running backs. Yeah, that's that's well said by you, right? Like the the Alvin Kamara's, the Kareem Hunts, 
it's it, that's much more rare than you know to find those guys than it is yeah. the Derrick Henrys, the Nick Chubbs, the you know the guys that were second first round picks, um, top fifty picks. I think that is but, the the money spot for running backs. Even the Alvin Kamara's, those guys were top of the third round. That's like, true. They, that's true. They just they just missed the second round. Like like Alvin Kamara was the third pick of the third round in his year. And by the way. The running, but the reason he wasn't picked higher was because his draft had Leonard Fournette, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, and Joe Mixon ahead of him. So they, they, <laughs> pretty good year. A, they, they picked right. That's a pretty doggone good year, and that's what I want to remind people. They say, "Well, Alvin Kamara was a third round pick. Why not wait to the third round this year?" But this year, it all got five starters ahead of that guy that's going to be in the third round. They, you got three, and then a bunch of maybes, and maybe they'll work out. Maybe you'll sneak in one and get a guy. You know, maybe you'll land. You know, you know, Philip Lindsay was an, you know was an undrafted guy, but the Steelers have taken those stabs. They played that lottery. It hasn't worked out for them like it works like it doesn't work out for most teams. So now you go and get the definitive guy in the early round that makes sure that you're locked in at that position. Chris, buddy, I got like 30 seconds here before I got to hit a break. Vegas win totals sure. came out over the weekend. Steelers at nine wins this season, according to Vegas. Over, under, push. What are you saying? I say over. You know, nine wins would be what nine and eight. I think that they, I think that their division isn't as strong as people think it is. I think that some of those teams that are top ranked aren't going to be as heavy as as, as hard hitting as they were next year. But a lot of this depends on do they get their running back and how do they address with the, with the other day two picks that will contribute this year. But I, I, I have them at least. I have them at like a ten wins is actually a pretty solid stance where I have them going. Chris Carter, DK Pittsburgh Sports, the Locked On Steelers podcast, every Monday with me here on the Afternoon Delight. Buddy, great stuff as always. Appreciate your knowledge. Appreciate your time. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Appreciate you, Wes.